2023, more like 2020. See you later, because the year's over. It gone. It's gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's the most wonderful time of the year, again, which is list season. You already know what it is. You've, you've read the title of the episode. It's our 2023 year in review. We're the pod people. I'm Matisse. I'm joined by Ben and Cleve, as always, my favorite boys in the whole world. We're here to talk about the movies that we talked about on the show this year. And unlike the Game Awards, we're not going to tell people to wrap up their acceptance speeches. You can talk as long yeah. as you want. Game Awards? More like gay awards, am I right? Well, It'd be I mean, sick if like 75% of this episode were just trailers for... <laughs> for new movies that are coming out next year <laughs> yeah i'll 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 cram a trailer in between every single category and this episode will end up being like four hours long it'll be great people will fucking love that there will be no video of course for the trailers it'll just be the audio well if this is if this is your first time joining us for a year in review episode um just break welcome. down quickly the way we're yeah welcome uh we're uh we're gonna do uh, our bottom five films of 2023 first, and we'll do uh, the top five films of 2023. Uh, these are all personal, our personal bottom and top. Um, then we'll do some honorable mentions, and then last we will uh, do the Paddy Awards. Paddy with D's, not Paddy like a turlet. It'll it'll be a good time. Let's let's get let's get fucking started. All right, uh, Ben. Why don't Why don't you start us off? What is your number five uh, worst film of the year? Sure. Um, so my number five is The Meg Two: The Trench. Um, you know, I was pretty excited about this one going in. Ben Wheatley directed one of my favorites of the last couple years in In the Earth, and I thought the first Meg was kind of fun. So to find this one extremely boring until like. The last half hour was such a bummer. Yeah, I'll I'll go next just because my number five is also uh, Ben Wheatley's Meg Two: The Trench. Um, just absolutely crazy that 2021, his last film was my favorite film of the year, and then uh, now he's he's in the bottom five. And uh, I made me go back and rewatch the the first Meg before this and realize that that's also not as fun as I remembered from a few years ago. So uh, just kind of, yeah, big fucking doo-doo stinker all around. I'm so glad I missed the Meg, too. Um, uh, happy to. Yeah, I, 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 I actually did watch the first Meg on a stream. Thought it was okay. Not anything to write home about. Um yeah, my number five uh, is, I, so I crossed out like three different things. Um, originally, I was going to put The Outwaters because I, I I had a bad time watching that movie. Both times I watched it, um, even watching it with the lovely pod boys couldn't couldn't make that better for me. Uh, sorry, y'all. I know y'all enjoy that movie, but I did not. But I decided at least that movie has the integrity of being a small indie film that was made with any amount of care. Even if I thought that the little meat on a string was like kind of silly and lazy. Like at least it's some, some folks out in the woods, like, or the desert or whatever, trying something new. So it's not that it's, uh, uh you just, you just squeeze it in any way. Yeah. I just squeeze <laughs> it in any way. Uh, well, I, I like talking about my yeah. process. Um, what did you, what did you say uh, your actual five was? Uh, Renfield. Renfield. Okay. That that's yeah. perfect because that's also my number four. What a mess, dude. Not yeah. even Nick yeah. Cage could save that piece of shit. 
No, or um, uh, the lead actor who's who's good. Uh, Nicholas Holt. Yeah, I mean, like fucking premise wise, like you'd think Nick Cage, Dracula, Nicholas Holt, Renfield. It's a comedy like that. That has like winner written all over it, but it's like fucking tonally inconsistent. The jokes are mostly not funny. Um, and, uh, Aquafina is really annoying. <laughs> yeah, see yeah. episode on it. I, I, I almost don't want to complain about it too much beyond that. I think what I will say about Renfield is the first five minutes are fantastic. I really love the intro and getting to see Nicola Cage do a Bela Lugosi impression is a delight. Uh, and then I would just shut it off after that. If we had a potty award for most soy dialogue, um, Renfield would definitely be the winner. 1000%. My number four is uh, Scream 6, another just, like, pretty major disappointment, considering how much I enjoyed Scream 5, how much we all enjoyed Scream 5. Um, And then they just like, well, what if we just did the same thing in New York, but more convoluted, without anything new to say about horror as a genre or Scream as a franchise, and just sort of do the same shtick over again, but worse. Um, Yeah, I, I... really did not enjoy Scream 6. And considering uh, the state of the, the franchise going forward, I don't imagine yeah. that I'm going to enjoy the next one. So yeah. at least now I have uh, tempered tempered expectations. The new one yeah. didn't have the juice. Like after, after like the first 15 minutes, which I thought was decent with the first kill, like it just was more of the same. And it's so disappointing from Radio Silence. You yeah, know? truly. I expect um, much better of them. Um, I'll tell you what overall. kept it off my list is because um, I, I agree with all that. You're you're absolutely right. I do I do really like that one sequence in the bodega where he's got the shotgun. I like I like that part of the movie. Uh, that that's yeah, like like Ben but, was saying, like I I think that part happens within like the first fifteen twenty minutes. It's like the mm-hmm. the movie starts relatively strong, and I I agree with that. But then it just like it gets so uninteresting so fast after that. Yeah, it follows the same formula. Nope. Seems yeah, what's your number four, Cleve? Oh, my number four is you know, it's it's not a terrible stinker. It it hardly belongs on this list, but I put it there anyway because, you know, my expectations for what a movie like that could be. It's the Demeter. It's the last voyage of the Demeter. Oh, um, interesting. It's a it's a it's a mid film. It's not very memorable, and I I find that to be more of an offense than at least a, a movie that's that really pisses me off or whatever. I, I think just like, yeah, you know, I was just looking over that list and I was just like, I don't know, it's kind of pathetic. how forgettable that movie was. I, I agree. It's certainly not a great film. It's pretty like squarely in the middle of, of my ranked list of films from this year. Cause like, I, I think it's fine and it has like a handful of pretty good sequences and nothing about it is like offensively bad, but it is, it is just like a pretty huge waste of, of a good premise. And yeah, um, just, just just forgettable just a forgettable movie yeah um, yo how you how you gonna make boat dracula forgettable that's what i'm saying yeah well yeah. i think who's who's it was one of y'all whose joke was it when we talked about that uh andre overdahl is the uh well the demitter is is very good but when y'all said that andre overdahl is like the master of like airplane horror or it's like the type of movies that yeah. you like watch and enjoy on an airplane yeah i think it was ben yeah <laughs> i think it's accurate honestly well, Ben, speaking of Ben, what's your number three? Ben's yeah, my number it. three is uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Talk about a weird 
disappointing movie. You know, I didn't really have expectations going in, and somehow I was still disappointed. That's also mine. I, I can't say that I was disappointed by Five Nights at Freddy's because I had no expectations <laughs> for it, but um, I, I still hated it a lot. Into, into Five Nights at Freddy's, like he had he had his Five Nights at Freddy's popcorn, he had his Bite of 87 shirt, he was so ready, and he was so yeah. disappointed. My Bite of 87 shirt, three sizes too small, so my belly's hanging out like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I put it on my list too because that kind of like manufactured children's horror is just kind of gross to me it's it's just cheeseburgers for for kids and it's just it's not sustaining it's just made for i think the wrong reasons and it's just uh yeah it's a bummer it's yeah. a bummer too because like like jim henson's like studio is tethered to it also and i just eh, it's whatever. and their work was good you know we did talk about good. that in our episode their work is the best yeah. part of the movie it's it's too it's frankly too high quality for the quality of the film um you know and i like i said i'll reiterate what i said on the on that episode is that like I feel weird complaining about Five Nights at Freddy's because, like, I'm so not the target demographic. But, yeah. you know, I did really have a bad, a horrible time watching it. It's on my list, too, just lower. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it made a bajillion dollars at the box office. So we're oh, yeah. inevitably going to get another five of these movies. But another reason hopefully, to it. hopefully we'll be spared for next year, at least. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think just because we get five more of them doesn't necessarily mean we need to talk about them on the podcast. Yeah, I think we um, talked about that in the episode before too. Yeah, we can we can miss it after this. Anyway, my my number three is Renfield. We are we don't need to rehash that. We just talked about it. Um, Cleve, you said your three was Five Nights. So Ben, what's your number two? Yeah, so my number two is a movie we didn't cover on the podcast, but. Um, was thoroughly disappointing to me nonetheless. That was uh, Christopher Landon's new movie uh, made for Netflix, We Have a Ghost. Um, Christopher Landon, yeah, that did obviously, not look good. The, the same guy who directed um, Happy Death Day and Freaky. Um, I was excited about this. We We had predicted this last year, I think, and it got delayed and didn't come out until this year. Essentially, the premise is a family moves into a house and the kid discovers that the house is haunted by the ghost of Ernest Borgnine. Um, But in this movie, it's not actually Ernest Borgnine. It's just a ghost named Ernest, played by David Harbour, the dude from Stranger Things. And yeah, it's just a, a shitty Netflix family horror movie. Very light on the horror, um, very light on the fun, very light on good dialogue. Um, yeah, just not not a good movie. Yeah, I saw the trailer um, and said, nope, and that's why I didn't watch it. And I'm glad we didn't cover it on the podcast because it looked fucking terrible. Um, and speaking of Christopher Landon, uh, he's also uh, in the fucking uh, driver's seat for the new Scream movie <laughs> for Scream 7, or what now sounds like it's going to be a Scream reboot because uh, they've lost both of their protagonists. So, uh, yeah, good things slated ahead for, for Christopher Landon, I think. <laughs> my, my number two is uh, is Five Nights. Um, we already talked about that. Uh, I hated it. It was bad. I had a bad time. Cleve, what's your number two? 
My number two is one, uh, much like Ben, uh, we didn't actually cover on the podcast, and I'm pretty confident neither of y'all have seen, but it was uh, the most recent uh, Children of the Corn remake. <laughs> Correct, oh, I've not seen that. <laughs> so I forgot I watched it, and uh, just what well, we'll say before the podcast, um, I was scrolling through uh, uh, just movies that had come out this year looking for like my bests and worsts of, you know, trying to kind of catch any cracks that maybe I didn't catch on the podcast. And it, and it came back up and I was just suddenly like shocked by a bunch of memories I'd forgotten. And it was just like it was like it was like seeing a photograph of an old turd. I was just like, oh, <laughs> um, it's it's rough. The most unfortunate thing about it for me is that it is still currently the only Children of the Corn I've seen. Um, <laughs> no, even even the original is trash. I don't think you're missing anything. Even the I first hear, like it's so silly. Um, but uh, this one is unforgivably cheap, terrible. The the plot is rough. The way that the children operate is um, it's insane. It, it it's not. It it almost feels like it's not written by a person. It's it's so devoid of of thought or care or giving a shit. Um, terrible movie. Everything um, you've just said also applies to the original one, just for what it's worth. That's really funny. Um, so it's continuing the tradition. Yes. You get the impression that no one really on the production cared. The epitome of really just doing it for a job. There was, there was one great thing that came out of it, and that was a joke. And that's because at the end of the film, who fucking cares if I spoil it? Uh, there is a, a big corn monster that the yep. children summon. And, um, or just kind of shows up. Uh, in this case, and in this, it's, yeah, Cleve, that's really he. That's he who walks good. behind the rose. Sure. Um, I don't think they ever say that <laughs> in this one, but uh, uh, so even the poetry is really gone. Uh, maybe they do. Who knows? Uh, I, I got it. It was so hardly memorable. But uh, in this, it's a really bad like CG corn creature, and not the fun kind of bad CG, but it looks almost like a corn mech, and so we we dubbed it the Decepticorn. And that's the best thing that came out of that movie is the is the Decepticorn. It's both offensive and not memorable all at once. It, it's a weird one, uh, and so yeah, I had to I had to put it there. Well, speaking of offensive and not memorable, I have a feeling that all of our number one is the same. The same. I'd be, I would be uh, shocked if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Should we all should we all I'll say it was one, two, two, three? Exorcist believer. believer. <laughs> yeah <laughs> good job class boo this movie boo we did a whole boo. I don't, it, it, it makes my head hurt talking about it and thinking about it uh we did a whole episode about it i don't i don't want to belabor it too much yeah you guys it's, can talk it, it, yeah you know it, it's, david, it's david gordon green and company it's you know it, it's totally shitting on the legacy of the original it's it's a movie that is both bad in its own right and also offensive to the the legacy of of the 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 original film and also much like you're describing children of the corn immensely forgettable i i remember very few like actual specifics from this movie uh other than just uh, a general feeling of uh frustration and uh sort of ambient disgust yeah well i i do want to say one thing i find interesting about it is like, I think it really reflects the particular state big-budget horror and legacy horror IP is in, uh, in 2023. Um, because they 
keep trying to go back to the well of old stuff, and it turns out, unless you have a good idea for that stuff, it's going to be dog shit. And and yet, this is the same year that we got a good Evil Dead movie and a good Saw movie. So there's something to be there's some, there there's another end of that spectrum. But uh, monkey paws, curling fingers. Um, <laughs> what I will say about this film is, unlike Utis, uh, who who didn't find it memorable, uh, this movie uh, found its way into my spine, uh, into my my very nervous system. Uh, I think for the rest Much of like my life. Zuzu. When I yeah, much like when I when I feel pain um, or or discomfort, I will I will just tether that to flashes of this film. Uh, it's it's in it's in my blood, and it's never it, it will never go. Um, I it's just have to be, make with it. It's gonna be like those people who do like too many psychedelics, and then they like crack their back and like get a little mini trip off of it. It's like you're gonna yeah. crack your back and just get like a flood of memories of Exorcist Believer. But far less pleasurable, yeah. I'll be in the shower and I'll just be on yeah. my knees crying, and I won't know why. <laughs> it'll be because of that movie, yeah. Well, uh, The Exorcist Believer is the worst film of the year. Unanimously. <laughs> Do y'all have oh, any shit. dishonorable mentions? Um, oh, yeah. Dishonorable mentions? Um, not really. There's some others that, like, I feel like I'm going to mention in the potties that were like. Not terrible, yeah. but like j- sort of just outside my my bottom five. So I'll 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 save I'll save that. Um, I have two that we didn't cover on the podcast that I just wanted to quickly mention. The first one being uh, sixty five. Um, has to be yeah, the worst was... title of the year. Oh, if that um, counts, yeah, I throw that on there too. Ditto that, yeah. Uh, and the other one, it was the blackening. When the Did trailer was going one. around in the theater, I thought this looked fun. Uh, turns out it's just kind of a shitty, uh, low effort comedy. Disappointing. All right. Well, are we ready to uh, to turn the tables and talk about the good stuff? Yes. Let's do it. Well, Ben, what's your number five? You start us off again. All right, uh, I'll talk to you with my number five. Uh, talk to me. Uh, I found this to be an awesome debut from Raka Raka um, with a really great lead performance, some genuinely scary sequences, and uh, just great pacing and tone throughout. Um, yeah, really confidently made. Um, one of my biggest surprises of the year. Um, and yeah, just a great overall movie. That's my number five. Yeah, agreed. Really strong debut. Um, and there's already a sequel coming soon. So we'll, we'll see if this is the new conjuring verse, but, uh, this is, yeah, I, I will just like add on to that and mention that like this felt distinctly like uh zoomer horror. Um, and, uh, I was, surprised how uh how how good and fresh and fun it was and like you said also pretty scary my number five uh is a film that we did not cover on the podcast but i'd like to at some point uh it's a film that ben recommended to me and said you got to make sure you watch this before end of year uh and i'm glad i did it's uh when evil lurks um an argentinian horror film um i i won't get too into it uh in terms of spoilers but just one of the most genuinely like 
nasty and cruel movies that I've seen in a really long time, like very nihilistic, very mean-spirited, and horribly violent, and uh, certainly not recommended uh, for people who uh, have trouble seeing violence against children, particularly, uh, because this movie is really unflinching in that. But it's also it really, really says, well made. Fuck them kids. Really says fuck them kids, but it's really well made, very well paced and acted, incredible practical effects. The gore is just like outstanding. Um, and uh, I, I feel like it was also a sort of fresh and interesting take on uh, on like a demonic possession story uh, that I hadn't seen before. So it's on Shudder, um, would definitely recommend checking it out, and we'll probably yeah. cover it on the pod at some point. Number five is a film. Um, that I thought was conceptually genius. I thought I thought it was it's one of the best ideas for a horror film um, you could come up with. I think in that sense, it it feels like it was made for me. Though in execution, I did not have a good time watching it. Unlike the Outwaters. It's an indie film that I think does, with some time, I think it does deserve the talk around it. And I hope the creators go on to make more work. And I do, just to round out the year, I do wish all the people around the film the best. And that's Skinnamarink. I Wait. Wow. Skinnamarink didn't even make it into my top five, and I actually liked the movie. How is it? I thought it was for sure going to be in your bottom five. Because, again, I, I hated the experience of watching the film. However, the idea of a home being spirited into the void by a malevolent spirit that sort of preys on these young children is the perfect film to me. Like, it is... On paper, it is just such a cool film, and while I didn't enjoy the experience of watching the film, as the film has sort of washed over me, and I've I've enjoyed the the material like a lot of the media around Skinnamarink, I've just come to accept that like the the movie, though I I didn't enjoy the film, it had a very positive impact on me, and mm. it reminded me of a lot of things that I love and enjoy, and that's spooky face shit, which is just my 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 jam. I have to put it at at, at five. Um, and I think that, you know, with some differences, it would, it would be number one for me. Well, I'll be damned. Maybe I there's a, I I genuinely shy. I still have to respect it and put it at five. I am too. I'm, ge I'm genuinely surprised by that. Cause again, like Skinnamarink was, is going to be one of my honorable mentions. Like I liked it a lot, but it didn't make it into my top five. So like to, to hear it on yours is, is very surprising. And I don't know, I'm going to. I'm going to call my shot like Babe Ruth. We'll say give it two or three years, and I think you're going to be a full-on uh, skin and marinky head. I think you're going to have a full... I think you're going to have a full turn on it. Here's um, here's my... I think my, you're going to recognize little, its greatness. Sorry, to, I'm going to take a little more time just to, to talk about this one point, and that is uh, in respect to analog horror. Um, I spent a good chunk of time this year delving into analog horror whether it's the Mandela catalog or the monument mythos, all these pieces. But I, for the most part, dug into them via this YouTuber, Wendigoon's channel. And he treats them like campfire stories where he just breaks them down and he talks about them to you with, with love because he loves those series. 
and it feels like you're with a camp, you know, you're with a friend and he's telling you about this scary event. And then I went back and I watched the Mandela catalog and I watched the rest and um, I didn't like him near as much. And I, I liked the content he put out for them more than I liked the actual art because I, I just, I prefer that medium. Scammering I did in reverse. I saw the film and then, and then I watched his video on it and it, it brought me around in, in some in some respects. But I think I enjoy his video about Skinnamarink more than I enjoy Skinnamarink itself. <laughs> well, well, we'll take what we can get, won't we, folks? That's um, right. Ben, what's ben, your number well, four? Let's, let's keep the Skinnamarink praise going, because it's my number yeah, four. Yeah, boy, let's fucking go! Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's genuinely rare um, that you find a movie with this wide of a theatrical release um, using such a, an experimental approach. It feels like a, a foreign language in a lot of respects in terms of like structure and style and approach to filmmaking. Um, But I find that so refreshing and so original. I found it to be one of the most evocative and immersive experiences I've had in the theater probably since Climax a few years back. Mm. Um, it's genuinely horrifying. Um, it captures a childhood kind of anxiety and uh, aimlessness and kind of fear in a way that I've never quite seen translated before. And I think it works because it again, uses such an original syntax to how it tells its story. Um, yeah, just an incredible, incredible movie. And I agree. I think it's one of those movies that's only going to grow in legacy as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Even though it didn't make it into my top five, um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. One of the most, like, genuinely haunting films that I've seen this year that, like, really, really stuck with me in a meaningful way, like, long after we saw it, um, in a way that, like, most of the movies on my top five did not, like, have a lasting impression the way that Skinnamarink did. So, well-deserving. Yeah. Um, uh, my number four is Talk to Me. Um, we already talked about it. Um, very good film, exciting debut. I'm excited to see more. Um, yeah, fun, interesting, fresh, haunting movie. Clave, what's your number four? Uh, for my number four, I was torn because it was, it was important that I put Skin and Rank on that list. So I was sort of debating Talk to Me and this other film. I think that Talk to Me is a better movie. However, the joy that I continue to get out of the Pope's Exorcist made just it. I had to. Put it. I, I'm sorry. I know it's not. It's not anywhere near as good of a film as Talk to Me. Um. It. it I. But I. I don't care. I. I just. I. Every time I think about Fat Russell Crowe on a Vespa toddling his way all the way to Spain, it's just. It's really funny to me putting the the spirit in the pig's head and then shooting it with a shotgun out of nowhere. Uh, it's just, it's just such a dude's rock movie. And I, I, ah, I, I, I love it. I, I, I love that movie. Uh, so yeah, Pope, Pope's Exorcist for number four. It's a stupid pick. I don't care. Get amazing. <laughs> get some dude's really rock. wild, get some really wild polls this year. I'm loving it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ben, what's your number three? 
my number three is uh, Eli Roth is back, baby. Thanksgiving oh. um, was such a fucking okay. awesome movie. Um, I loved every minute of it. It's the most genuinely exploitation-y movie we've seen since probably probably Piranha, right? I had a fucking blast in it. Um, all the kills were great. It perfectly nails that kind of horror comedy tone. Just all around awesome movie. Thanksgiving was going to be my number five until I saw When Evil Lurks and it bumped it into six. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's uh, it's getting some recognition because, yeah, Thanksgiving was fun. Genuinely, like, fun, inventive holiday slasher um, that I liked way more than I was expecting to going in. Wasn't yeah, afraid to get brutal as fuck either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, well, I mean, that yeah. that's sort of par for the course with Eli Roth. I was expecting that. <laughs> um, that Black Friday sequence is so well shot. Like, it, definitely like a shout out. Yeah, that. absolutely. Like, so many of the kills in that are, are, are so fucking good. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, uh, a film worth saying. Probably the best Thanksgiving uh, horror movie that exists. In um, a lot of respects, it's uh, the best Scream movie we got this year too, considering how shitty Scream Six was. True. Um, that is quite similar. It's a lot of those high school horror tones. Yeah. What's that? Um. All right. My number three is uh, Bo is Afraid. Um. From Ari Aster. This was this was a, a very divisive one amongst a lot of people this year. I think we all really enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, a Ari Aster sort of blank check movie after the success of Hereditary and Midsommar that he uses to tell a lengthy, sprawling, self-indulgent, uh, strange, um, sort of odyssey of a story that, uh, I thought was, was fucking great. Has some of the absolutely most memorable sequences of any movie I've seen this year, um, the part where he's in the bathtub and he looks up and the dude is like Spider-Maning <laughs> on like at the ceiling above him with this look of utter terror on his face. Like I still think about that all the time. The whole like the, the whole first act of that movie, like all the stuff around his apartment building is just like some of the most brilliant filmmaking I, I saw this year. Um and uh yeah, I, I really loved it, despite it's sort of like meandering uh, and you know, I, I you could you could say maybe uh, stylistically inconsistent um, story, but uh, yeah, I, I loved it a lot. I love the tone of Bo's Afraid. It's like such a pitch black comedy with the absurdism of something like I think you should leave. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, Cleve, what's your number three? My number three is. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty confident we just flipped ours. Um, uh, my number three is Infinity Pool. I mean, it's it was so good. Like I yeah I I, I, love I just the, rewatched you know, it last identity. night. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I I love the interplay with identity. Mia Goth is is just she's she's so good, man. Yeah, it's it's another Cronenberg Junior uh, hit. I I think um it's three for me because I don't think it's going to be Cronenberg Junior's like magnum opus. I still think his best work so far is Possessor. I think if I had to, to choose between the two, but Infinity Pool is uh, incredible. My toxic trait is that I want Mia Goth from Infinity Pool to ruin my life. <laughs> I was oh. going to say, Mia Goth's performance in that movie is just so good. 
Yeah, that movie didn't make my top five, but it's definitely in the honorable mentions. What a what a unique and awesome movie. All right, well, what's your number two? My number two is Bo is Afraid. Hey, uh, nice. Yeah, like I said, it's such a wonderful pitch black comedy. Um, it effortlessly merges like thorough darkness in with this humor um, to the point where it feels uh, very deliberately cruel at times um, in a way that um, I really loved, actually. There's a mean streak through this movie. Um, that's uh, that's really fun to watch. There's so many good bits. It is somehow a three-hour film that left me wanting more. How you do that? Yeah. I want more of that movie. I keep wanting to go back to watch it, but when do I have three hours? <laughs> it's <a> problem. <laughs> so it's uh, it's tricky, but I, I want to show it to more people. Yeah, that that movie just put me in a really silly, special place, and I. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think it's it's a rare thing that a filmmaker is given a budget to make something like so fucking insane like that. And also, like full credit to Joaquin Phoenix's performance is is spectacular. He is so good, yeah. and you truly believe that he is just anxious and concerned about everything, um, to the point where it's it's ruining him and his life. Between Bo is Afraid and Napoleon, Joaquin's had a big year of getting to be a weird, asocial little freak. Yeah. Well, he's just had a run of that. I mean, the fucking Joker and all the I mean, it's yeah, his best act, really. Like, he's just being, he's just so good at being a He's becoming fuck. typecast, isn't he? It kind of is yeah. uh, his, his deal. <laughs> um, well, my my number two, this actually works out perfectly because my number two, um, I'm pretty confident, is both of y'all's number one which is a film that we did not talk about. Uh, we did not have a chance to cover on the podcast because it came out very recently. Um, but uh, Godzilla Minus One. Yes, uh, that is my number one. What a fucking yeah. movie. It's seriously like I I walked out of the movie and said uh, I didn't realize that Godzilla movies could be this good. Um, and I think this movie deserves a full episode from us at some point, probably soon, um, yep. because there is just so much to talk about. But it's just like such a remarkable blending of like the traditional origins of Godzilla, but also like it feels modern and fresh despite its period setting. Um, it's the best fucking Godzilla has looked probably ever. Um, and there's a human story that I actually care about um, that I that is like emotionally rich and powerful and, uh, you know, something that my, my biggest problem with the, the American legendary Godzilla movies are just I just do not give a shit about the human characters. Um, mm. And in this one, I really, really did. Yeah, it just fucking knocked my socks off. One of the things I really like about this movie is even though it is an origin film, um, like they're going back to the beginning of Godzilla. It is an origin film that focuses not on the origin of Godzilla, like the creature. It's an origin to the spirit of the films um, and, and an incredible way to, to talk about the, the zeitgeist surrounding those films and what those those movies mean with like with large scale destruction. It's a fucking banger, man, and an, an incredible war film. And it it was just, yeah, it's, it's uh, I think that movie is going to be very special to me. Yeah, I was just going to say, somehow we got the best Jaws movie we've ever seen in the last 50 years. 
Best um, Jaws movie since Jaws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. With the Godzilla movie. Like, it's it's crazy to look at Godzilla minus one and compare it to, like, the slate of action blockbusters from America. Because outside of, like, a handful of big IPs, uh, this movie completely outclasses the whole lot of them. It's like Go a ahead. real movie. It yeah, and a, I mean, it's such a real movie. Like it, 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 it does a such a great job of paying homage to just classic films in general, and to the degree where it just is one itself. Like, and it, it yeah, that's hard to do, man. Like, it's not aping it. Like, it always does it with like such clear intent, and it's it's rare to see. Um, at least for me, like I, I don't see too many film like World War Two films like from the Japanese perspective, and for it to be like a perspective of the people. Yeah, it's, it was incredibly refreshing, and I think a film that needed to needed to be made, and I, that I needed to see. It was important that I did. That's special. Yeah, yeah and I, you know, I it's genuinely emotional at times. You know, the whole finale sequence. Uh, it's getting a little dusty in the theater, boys. I don't know about yeah, you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my eyes were watering a little bit because all the dust. Well, my number one uh was uh disney's haunted mansion um i thought (laughs) i was sitting on that joke no it's it's minus one minus one is my number one yeah uh my my number one is infinity pool um yeah yeah well we already talked a little bit about it uh but i mean just like stellar performances from mia goth and uh alexander skarsgård um just like this really dark psychedelic uh trip into uh the 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 destruction of the human spirit and humanity um and i really loved it yeah i don't know if it's my favorite brandon cronenberg i i need to revisit possessor um but it's of equal quality in my mind for sure um but yeah well that's boys that's our uh our our top five of the year um you want to do some some honorable mentions of stuff that that didn't quite squeak in there yeah, yeah. Um, I'll shout out a few non-horse things, um, particularly uh, non-horror sequences of some of my favorite movies of the year. For example, John Wick 4, um, the whole long stare sequence in that movie, as well as the bird's eye overhead sequence while he's going through the the big building. Just phenomenal. Some of the best action cinematography I've seen all this year such an awesome movie um the uh kind of self-reflexive radio finale with scorsese in uh killers of the flower moon that weirdly got me it was just really raw and emotional in a really personal way i don't feel like we've ever seen from scorsese quite in that way i want to mention the 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 little car in Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, uh, part one. I guess it's just Dead Reckoning now, because they're not doing a part two. But yeah, that sequence was a fucking blast. Um, Really inventive and fun. Reminded me a lot of, like, old Jackie Chan stuff, like Tokyo Story. Tom Cruise still has the juice, man. And uh, yeah, the last one I wanted to touch on is uh, the scene in the Dungeons and Dragons movie from this year where Chris Pine loses his disguised self spell. 
Oh yeah, they, his allu- his illusion spell falls apart. Yeah, for me it's very funny. The, with that D and D film, it was how so many scenes started with a little Muppet creature in the corner that crawls out of the shot or something. Like there's so many incredible puppets and practical, real things you can reach out and touch in a in a family oriented action film. Like, oh god, it's just so nice to see. Like you can that real movies are still getting made from time to time. Like thank god. Some some honorable mentions that I have, just some some horror ones that didn't quite make the top but are worth mentioning. Um, stuff like Mithrigan, thought was really fun from earlier this yeah. year. Evil yeah. Dead Rise, Saw 10, both solid, fun entries in their franchise. The Outwaters, of course, despite how much Cleveland hates it, uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, deserves to be spoken about in the same breath as Skin of Marink. Maybe not quite as effective, but definitely still worth checking out if those types of movies are your jam. But honestly, man, the majority, I feel like, of my my like actual like top 10 movies this year were like, non-horror stuff. Stuff you've already mentioned, Ben, like John Wick 4 and Killers of the Flower Moon is probably my favorite film this year, period. But uh, also really liked Oppenheimer a lot. Um, How to Blow Up a Pipeline was incredible. Uh, Mission Impossible, like you already mentioned, Dead Reckoning. Um, Creed 3 was a lot of fun. Uh, David Fincher's new movie, The Killer, was really good. Just a lot of, like, uh, this was... I don't know if this was like a necessarily a great year for horror horror, but like is is a good year for movies. I do have two actually, uh, both of which I saw this week. Maybe I'm a little hot on them, but I, I do I do think that I will. The these are the kind of film that I think will will age quite well with me with time. Um, one, uh, Boy and the Heron. If you're a fan of animated yeah. films, you should see it. It's in theaters if you can. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a great Miyazaki studio ghibli film it's uh i think that they did a phenomenal job of paying uh almost homage to themselves it's a beautiful love letter to the studio and uh because there are just so many sequences throughout the film that are just with elements uh peppered through their other works um largely spirited away but there's little touches of mononoke there's little touches of howl's moving castle there's little touches of, of of their best work and it it it, it it stands really strongly for that. Also, Robert Pattinson just disappears into that hair and roll. He's so fucking good. And lastly, and most importantly to me, I think the best piece of art that I took in this year that I that I enjoyed was um, a series on HBO called Scavenger's Reign. It's Annihilation-esque uh, with the application of Mobius. If you don't know what those words mean, you should please look them up. Yeah, it, it, Scavenger's Reign is phenomenal. It is a really cool piece that uses xenobiology to explore like the the self and what that means and and change um and that's why i think it's also very akin to annihilation is that that sort of loss of self in an alien world and uh what that means i could not recommend it stronger um yeah best thing best thing i saw this year yeah, Scavenger Train uh, whips ass. I know I recommended it a couple of times at the end of other episodes. Um, definitely the best show I saw this year, for sure. Um, well, we we need to keep rolling along because we've still got a lot to do. We got to uh, give out our, our annual potty awards. Um, now, how this works, if you haven't heard one of these episodes before, is Ben has come up with a number of categories split up into... Uh, New 2023 movies, and then just movies that we covered on the show this year, old or new. 
And for each category, we'll each bring one nomination, and then we'll decide which one of those three uh, wins the award. So, without further ado, let's fucking do it. Uh, We'll start with the 2023 categories. This one is Best Cinematography. Cleve, I think you might hate me for this one, but my nomination for Best Cinematography is Skinner Inc. Ooh, I'm glad you love images of the tops of door frames ben (laughs) well okay look like i was saying in my you know kind of roundup for this movie it uses a film language that's very foreign to most moviegoers sensibility um and i i understand that that's very inaccessible to a lot of people however I think the way it's shot and the selection of shots it it uses is so specific and tactical um, to the point that it really kind of, again, immerses you into this atmosphere of the movie. My nomination is Infinity Pool. It's a good-looking movie. I like the way it looks. (laughs) My uh, my nomination is Bo is Afraid. Uh, it's a good looking movie. I Ooh. like the way it looks. Um, I, I don't. Earlier you you described uh, Bo is Afraid is almost disparate. Like it's it's all this. I I found it to be a feast. Um, each scene does almost feel like a different film, and and I I uh, I think it adds to the anxiety of it, and uh, you know, and 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 the odyssey of it as well. Like like the the Cyclops's cave is very different from the sirens is very different from Solon and Charybdis is very different from, you know, all the rest. And I, I, I like that about it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm giving it to, to Bo cause it's just a, it's a panoply of, uh, cool fucking weird shots that give, give you the agita. Hmm. Well, all right. We've so, got three, three very different films. How do we want to resolve this one? I, I'm willing, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to let Skinner Inc. go. Um, I know Cleve wasn't a fan, um, and I think we're all a fan of Infinity Pool and Bo's Afraid. Um, so one of those, I think, personally... So you're the decider, I, then. I would lean towards Bo is Afraid, personally. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's a tough call between the two, um, but there's so much inventiveness there, um, especially in like the city anxiety sequence. Just phenomenal. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Congratulations, Bo is Afraid, on your potty award for best cinematography. All right, next is best score. And I'll let one of y'all start with the nominations. Uh, Cleve. I have a weird poll. Not an uncommon poll. We were just talking about it. But I had I had to sit and think, because when it comes to standout scores this year, I was a little pickled, puzzled, perplexed. I, I was sitting there thinking like, you know, like there wasn't really necessarily a score that stood out to me. The next thing I defaulted to was sound design and vibes from a movie. And I think the film that has the score that enhances the movie's vibes the most, like that pairs the best with the shots, is Infinity Pool. The industrial um, sounds like make you feel disillusioned and lost I mean, in the self. Like it's great. It's it's a Tim Hecker score, so it's like. Yeah, Infinity Pool was also mine. Um, Okay, technically I had two um, because I wasn't sure whether we were keeping it to films that we 
covered on the show or just movies in general. So for ones we covered on the show is Infinity Pool. Um, so I'm fine going towards that one. But I think my actual favorite score of the year uh, is Godzilla minus one. Um, oh no! Uh, I... Such a good job, like bringing yeah. something fresh, but also like, man, a couple of times they just hit you with that the fucking classic, uh, mm-hmm. like fifties Toho Godzilla score, like when he's coming out of the water, like onto land, bomb, bum 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 bum, like it's it's fucking killer, man. It's so, great. Uh, it's iconic. Yeah, I, I might <laughs> kind of uh, cheated. Pretty, yeah. I kind of cheated my, by picking both of those, but... My pick was kind of a left-field one. I was a little stumped on best score, personally, um, much like Cleve. Um, I went with Mithrigan, um, just because the mm. scenes of her singing are so really funny. Fun. I, I don't think that hangs in comparison to Infinity Pool or Godzilla Minus One, so I'll leave that up to y'all. Do we just want to give it to both? I mean, we we all we already gave like minus one our universal best film of the year. Um, I mean, Infinity uh, Pool was mine, so like I just keep thinking about that shot. It's like the very the very very end of Infinity Pool when he's just looking out at the rain. It's just I, I find that to be incredibly like a really a moving piece. Do you want to say uh, Tim Hecker Infinity Pool then? I do. Yeah, I think let's I do. go. Let's go for it. All right. Congrats, Tim Hecker. Uh, if you want to come on to the show and accept your award next year, we'd be glad to have you. Quick shout out to Bo's Afraid's soundtrack too. Yeah, uh, I I don't I mean, think I put Bo question mark next to score when I was first putting my stuff together. Yeah, did uh did Hacks and Cloak do that one too? I know he did. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah, I, he did. I've um, forgotten. That. I don't think it was quite as memorable as Midsummer's. No score. No, but it was not. It looked pretty good. All right. Well, what's uh? Right. What do we got next? All right, so next is Best Performance. Uh, Tease, why don't you kick this one off? Uh, well, to keep on the yeah. Infinity Pool train, it's Mia yeah. Goth in Infinity Pool. I do. Yeah, we already talked about it. She's so good. Uh, what was it, a little like, a sucky baby? What does she say? It's so good. Yeah, um, yeah she calls him a little sucky baby. Uh, it's so good. Baby. Like that scene where she is on the hood of the car driving slowly in front of him, eating fried chicken out of a bucket and drinking white wine is is reading iconic. reading his bad reviews for his book. <laughs> uh, like I don't, I don't like yeah. to use the word iconic in a with a modern lingo, but I, it really is. It really just is. Like, honestly though, just like the range of that performance where she can go from being, like, so understated and, like, seductive quiet. and then and quiet and then just, like, totally explode and become, like, a complete psycho. Like, just just her control over that range is so good. Um, ben, did you have a different nomination? Or yeah, you yeah, I had Joaquin and Bo's Afraid. Um, that would that was, that would have been my second, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mia Goth has this. That was my second. It was right below here. Um, I think so this is we'll two, definitely go with that. I think this is two years in a row that Mia Goth has gotten best performance potty on this podcast. Because yes, last year I'm pretty sure queen. we gave it. I'm pretty yep. sure we gave it to her last year for the the dual X and Pearl uh, roles as well. Yep, we oh, did. Yeah. We stand. congrats, Mia Goth, um, reigning champ, two years in a row. The uh, two other performances I wanted to touch on quick are Sophie Wilde and Talk to Me. Thought mm-hmm. her performance was really good, and of course, our man Russell Crowe 
Yeah. Pump exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude's rock. All right. What's the next one? All right. Next is scariest sequence. I had a few ideas bouncing around in my head, but uh, the one that really stuck with me that I found genuinely the creepiest was the finale of the Outwaters. The whole last 15 minutes or so. It's super atmospheric and abstract and uh, disturbing. The sound design's great. The monster is great. I think uh, that's going to be a tough sell with Clave. Um, I'm, I'm putting a big, boo, big, big thumbs down. My, uh, <laughs> my, my pick uh, is the uh, look under the bed sequence from Skinamarink. Just one of a number of of pretty horrifying, scary, tense scenes in that movie. Um, I will say, I don't love that it just ends with a kind of, like, unrelated jump scare, but I think just, like, the pacing of that whole scene of of the little girl going into the room and seeing, like, the dad sitting there and him telling her to look under the bed and just, like, that anticipation of waiting for something that ultimately is not there is just like that's just like the the probably the fastest my heart was beating during any uh movie we watched this year i think coming coming fresh hot and angry off of that movie even then on that podcast episode i i agreed that that scene was really effective and powerful um what i settled on for scary sequence to me was the eternal death of kevin from skin and marink so yeah skin and marink in that case yeah I yeah i can i can go for that a couple other ones i wanted to mention is the the little brother seance and talk to me genuinely yeah. took me by surprise and non-potty movie um but one that was on tisa's top five uh the dog scene from when evil lurks yeah i'd say do not elaborate on that um, no 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 but no. uh i know i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah absolutely that that moment had my fucking jaw on the floor. I could not believe they did that. Yeah. All right. So next is hottest mess. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if it was anything of the Nexus believer. It's just yeah, hot shit. Not the good kind. It is a mess. It doesn't know what it's trying to say, and it, it fails in every way. And it somehow I think comes out insulting everybody, which is almost comical if I didn't find it so personally egregious. So yeah, hottest mess is Nexus believer for me. There are a lot of contenders for this one. I actually chose Scream 6 because when I think of, like, a hot mess, I tend to think, like, convoluted, where there's, like, a lot of string all over the place that is, you know, hard to kind of piece together. And as much as I hate The Exorcist Believer and think that it's a fucking dog shit movie, I think Scream 6 is more convoluted and frustrating in that way. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why I chose I chose it for, for Hottest Mess. But Renfield, also a great contender. Five Nights yeah. at Freddy's, also a great contender. Even The Pope's Exorcist, to an extent, would be a good yes, contender. Yes, fact, also true. Um, Oh yeah, uh, personally, yeah, yeah. Personally, my my pick was Exorcist Believer as well. Um, the only big reason uh, why it kind of went over the edge be- beyond like your Scream Six or Renfield is the amount of money it cost them to buy the Exorcist IP, and this is what they did with it. Fair point. 
very fair point. I will I will more than happily uh, give you all this one um, and and say we can give it to Exorcist Believer. So congrats, Exorcist Believer, on your hottest <laughs> mess award. All right, next category is most overrated. Tease, why don't you start this one? Sure. So this was the only other one where I have two picks, one that we covered on the show and one that we didn't. Um, for the one that we covered on the show, uh, Cocaine Bear, um, I feel like that yeah. it, it was fine, but like it was tonally kind of messy. The whole last 20 minutes is so dark, you can barely tell what's going on. Like. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the the trailer, the the premise became such a meme that the actual movie didn't even come close to like delivering on for me. That like even though I don't hate Cocaine Bear and would even consider watching it again at some point, I do think that like it did not even come close to living up to the hype that was set. Um but my other pick, the one that we did not cover on the podcast, but what I truly think is the most overrated film of the year is No One Will Save You. I know that we've all seen it, even though we didn't get a chance to talk about it yeah. on the show. Um, but that movie came out, and everyone's like, ooh, this is Hulu, straight to Hulu, this is this year's Prey. This is this, is this year's, like, sort of out-of-nowhere movie that nobody sees coming, and it just fucking blows your goddamn tits off. And, like, I just... It was fine, man. Like it was, it was okay. But like, I don't know the the lack of dialogue felt like nothing more than a gimmick. The movie didn't demand it. Totally unsubtle. It has a really interesting premise of like a alien home invasion. Um, I think that's cool. I think they blow their load on that way too quick, and so much of the movie is just like CG alien fights. I don't know, man. It's just like I. I don't understand the the hype around this one. I thought it was all right. I thought it was it was pretty good. I didn't I didn't uh I certainly didn't think it was this year's prey. Like uh but no. I, I will I will say I did uh while it was a lot of CG alien, um I thought there were some fun new takes on Greys specifically. I like the 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 four-legged walker and a few of the others that's like way taller than you expect and some of that stuff it was has- it has a lot of conceptually interesting stuff. It certainly does. Um, yeah. I, I just think that, like, it's overrated in, like, its execution. I just, like, I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't get why so many people are like, this is the best, freshest, most exciting new movie of the year. Yeah, like, we I certainly wouldn't contend it yeah. for overrated. Uh, the dialogue yeah, uh, three stuff was overbaked and kind of gimmicky, too, I gotta say. Yeah. yeah. Underbaked, I, um... I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I did originally write Cocaine Bear and then scratch it out, um, and then to the next of it, angrily scribble Outwaters. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ben, uh, and Tease, now y'all have a chance to turn down Outwaters for a category, uh, like I did a moment ago, so. Yeah, not uh, happening. <laughs> there you go. What you got, Ben? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I honestly went kind of spicy with my overrated pick here. So I went okay. with Evil Dead Rise. Um, I feel like I had really high expectations for it, and it ended up being probably my least favorite Evil Dead movie. I know you guys liked it a little more than I did. Um, I did jot down two others, though. I I wrote down Scream 6, as well as Ennis Men. 
Damn, so none of us are in accord at all on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I, I will say, well, well, again, I, I did. I, I think, I think we're probably gonna have to, if I had to, like, give it to Cocaine Bear, because that was my run. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Like Outwaters, I, I, uh, for me, like it's Outwaters only because I, I watched it, didn't have a good time watching it, and then started hearing all this buzz about how great it was, and I, I, I felt like I just watched a different movie than you guys, even still. Uh, but yes, no, I would. I, I think Cocaine Bear was probably of the films uh we've just discussed the one that was uh talked about the most that was rated a lot and i think well way overly so at least at least outwaters is like a small indie movie you know like uh cocaine bear was a was a large studio piece and uh with a lot of big actors in it and such and uh yeah missed opportunities for it there are some good sequences in cocaine bear but it's i just i think it's overrated yeah i think evil dead rise is rated um and i think Ennisman, maybe we went into with higher expectations, but like outside of our discussion, yeah, we did, Ben and I did. Um, but like outside of our discussion, like the podcast Discord, like I didn't hear anybody say shit about Ennisman. So it's you didn't hear anybody yeah. with an E. I think, and then... yeah, I think it's I think it's hard to say that that's overrated when it when it's mm-hmm. a movie that nobody but no. us is talking about. I stand, so I stand by fair. it. Yeah, because we we went into Anna Smith and I said it's going to be art house wank, and we came out and it was art house wank and uh, a big nothing burger of a movie. But um, <laughs> even still, anyway. though, like I didn't I didn't put it on any of my my low lists or anything else because Anna Smith at least no, it's not that is, bad. Yet yeah, it really isn't that bad. It's really no, it's yeah. really not. Anna um, Smith was fine. It's, yeah, it's almost it's almost like okay. kind of like yeah, I think it's it's a little little too bitter and unkind to say it's it's wank even I, I think that's not really fair to the movie but yeah I, I think like it. here our episode on this man but uh, it sounds like we are in agreement now that uh, Cocaine Bear wins most overrated of the year I think yeah. that is yeah. the right call yeah. um the next category is most underrated uh Cleve you're gonna get a kick out of this because my most underrated was the Outwaters nope nope. <laughs> I I agree with you that I agree with you the Outwaters is underrated. I don't think it's most underrated. Yeah, I but, think my most underrated because it it didn't get like the best reviews and it's like it's just not a very accessible film uh especially compared to how much I loved it is just Bo's Afraid, man. Like I That's think, mine too. Yep. Yeah. Like, that was also mine. Yeah, Bo's Afraid. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. A lot of people like really, really hated it. Um, mm-hmm. And while I can, while I can understand why, kind of, I so absolutely wrong. think that's yeah, they're so wrong. <laughs> it's, it was yeah, the it was yeah. fucking summer above. Yeah, they were going in expecting the wrong kind of movie. I think ultimately, I think I think really with Bo is afraid. If you go in expecting a movie, you're probably not going to have a. <laughs> I will say, uh, Outwaters would have been my second pick, though, Ben. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you that it's underrated. It is, and it feels like a breakout hit in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think it quite gets the respect it deserves. I'm sure over time, it'll get more of a cult following. The only other I one I wanted to mention really here was uh, Mathrigan, um, just because it came out in January. So I feel like a lot of people have already forgotten about how fucking oh, good God. Megan was. I think they have yeah. forgotten at this point, but I do think that when Megan came out, people were talking about it. I think yeah, that like yeah. at the time that it was released, it was certainly not 
underrated. I did consider that one too, though, because uh, Mithrigan oh. was was I think more fun than than we were anticipating. All right. Uh, so the next? next is best kill. This is different. We added this kind of last minute just because um, there were a lot of memorable sequences and kills that maybe weren't necessarily the scariest, um, but were noteworthy. It allows us to separate horror from gore also, because um, I realized that a lot of my picks across the potties are like gore related. So it was, it was nice that I could like separate that because like scary sequence should... At least for me personally, I'd rather give it to something that isn't gore related. Um, originally, before we added this category, uh, this was my scary sequence though, and that is surprisingly, I, I just I sat back and I thought, well, what is um, what is a sequence that left me like buzzing the most? That kind of freaked me out as a kill sequence or as a scary sequence, and surprisingly, it's um the one that made my stomach turn the most was the thigh wire cut from Saw X. Like I got to give it to socks. That that sequence is so nasty and cruel and really, really, really well um, made. The practicals of like her cutting through her thigh, like you, you fucking buy it, man. Um, what a horrible way to go. And it, and it's 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 set up with such agitation. That was on my list as well. Uh, most of the others on my list came from Thanksgiving, um, as did my my eventual Not pick. Which is the uh, the where he kills Tim Dillon in his apartment, um, where he does you know stabs him with the the turkey carver, then garrots him and cuts his head off in like the super anime way where he's like turns away at like the blood spurt, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, it ends with him feeding the cat before he leaves. Um, that was all of it. I I will say just like I Ben Ben mentioned it. I did not choose this because it's a movie we didn't talk about on the podcast and like Cleveland hasn't seen it. So he can't really vote on it. Um, but like, really, I think the best kill sequence is the, the dog sequence that Ben mentioned earlier from when evil lurks. Um, <laughs> that was, that was certainly Damn. the most, that was certainly yeah. the most jarring. Um, yeah, most you, didn't, uh, sure. you didn't pick it for your year end uh, picks. Tease. Uh, real, real bummer there. We can talk about it at some point. Um, no, we uh, shall. Yeah. <laughs> So so the Tim, um, the Tim Dillon kill is my actual pick. Yeah, my pick is a bit of a left field one, but it's the one that took me most by surprise, and I, I feel like it perfectly nails the tone of the movie, and that's the, uh, the paint scene in Bo is Afraid, um, oh, yeah. where the, the sister oh, sure. kills herself by chugging paint. Um, it is both hilarious and incredibly disturbing in a way that I feel like only Bo is Afraid could pull off. Mm, yeah, that's a good one that I hadn't even considered. I would I would say, for me, of the two of your picks, the one that would probably bring me across the table the most is Thanks, Thanksgiving, sorry, Thanksgiving um, uh, where he, he garrots the guy and then feeds the cat. I just, I, I, I think of like the audience's reaction to that too. And I thought that was delightful when the whole crowd was like, whoa, when he kills him. And then like leading up to the cat, cause he, he looks down at the cat for a second. And I remember a few people in the audience being like, don't you fucking dare. Like, oh, like, like you could hear it in their voices. And then just a universal sigh and giggle as he, he feeds the cat and then gives a little pet on the head before leaving. And I, I think like the, yeah, the, the profane and the sacred. It's got a little bit of all of it. It's salty sweet. Uh it's it's a delightful little sequence. Um and I would I I'd be happy to give it to to Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. For Thanksgiving, 
I was honestly torn between that one and uh, the Thanksgiving festival where the dude's head gets caved in. Uh, oh, yeah. Just because it's so brutal. Yeah. Um, oh, God. But... Yeah. With the, the, the boat, the, the yeah. bowsprit comes through the back of the window. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That one's fucking wild. Well, thanks, Thanksgiving wins it for kills, whatever, whichever one. <laughs> Pick. All right, so that was the last of our new movie categories. One that I don't have listed that I, I just want to throw out really quick and get your guys' thoughts is best theater experience. I think for me it was Thanksgiving um, just because that crowd was amazing and everyone was having a good time. Um, yeah, I sometimes it's hard for me to remember theatrical experiences. I would probably say Thanksgiving as well. Maybe Godzilla minus one. Everybody was pretty dialed into that when we when we went and saw that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 happy. Like everyone was having fun with Thanksgiving. I'm happy to to, to second that as well. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Sweet. Uh, well, that was all of the the new movie categories. Uh, so we'll jump in. Uh, two kind of general movies we covered in the old year. and new. Yes, we covered this year. Um, so we'll we'll kick it off with biggest surprise. Um, I would be kind of surprised if you guys didn't feel the same way about this one, but for me, it's obvious. It's Cat's Eye. Um, it was Cat's Eye for movie... me too. Yeah, hey. this is a movie I didn't have much knowledge of before, um, uh, and was blown away with. Yeah, it's like my new horror. It's like my new favorite horror anthology movie. Like I di- absolutely did not go into Cat's Eye expecting to come out the other side of it like that. I'm pretty sure we gave it a golden pod. Like that was yeah, yeah pretty yeah. pretty easily. That was the biggest surprise of the year for me. Cat's Eye was amazing. Um, I had two others written down, um, but I, I'm I'm very happy to give it to Cat's Eye. But I, I did want to note because I don't think I note them anywhere else. Uh, one um, uh, surprise to me because uh, it just sort of came out of left field was uh, Saloon. Saloon was I, cool. Saloon was, was great. Cool. And it was really fun. Um, and then also just I didn't know or have much to expect going into Female Prisoner uh 701 scorpion and uh i was blown out of the fucking water by it and its sequel uh yeah those were both on my list as well yeah yeah it was one of the best things i saw this year i i thought it was incredible and i i really enjoyed i'm really glad you you picked that to share with us ben so yeah female female prisoner was on my list but i think i think y'all's is great yeah cat's eye for sure next is biggest letdown this one was actually pretty easy for me as well. For me, the biggest letdown was uh, The Blob, 1958, as part of our... Uh, yeah, uh, it was the same for me. It was the same for me. I, uh, you know, considering it had a Criterion release, I was yeah. expecting a little bit more. Just kind of well, fucking boring. It's going to be... Beware of The Blob, because uh, y'all are not going to agree with my biggest letdown. Um... <laughs> I looked at my list, and uh, people are not going to agree with this. I looked at my list, and uh, there were a lot of stinkers on there that that I hated and made me feel terrible. But on the other turn, this year, I guess I've just been going into films with a healthier mentality and just not going in with that high, with my expectations very high. Um, because I think to be let down, you have to first be going in with high hopes. You know, yeah, like you have absolutely. to. Um, that's, that's a big part as to, you have to be up to be let down. 
Um, and for me, that was uh, that was knock knock. Starting the movie went in with good spirits, and just throughout the course of the film, I had I liked it less and less. Um, it's kind of a greasy strangler situation where I get that that's the point, but as films for me, I didn't have a good time watching it, and I don't like the movie. So uh, for me, it was uh, knock knock was a was a letdown. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I was let down by it. I think you're outvoted on that one. Yeah, yeah, no. I <laughs> Beware of the blob. Beware of the blob. And and now this t- this time of year, you can sing it to uh, Feliz Navidad. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, well, it's uh, funny you mention uh, knock knock uh, because that segues perfectly into our next category: hottest <laughs> mess. More than uh, you know. Which uh, I picked for my nomination, knock knock, uh, but I... in a but in a positive way, because it's a hot mess, and that's part of the reason why I love it. It was Twilight for me, easily. Oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> Twilight sure is a hot mess. Uh, but unfortunately, Tease, I did also pick knock knock for hottest mess. I just just knock knock All knock right. knock on my list here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It's a batshit movie. You know, Keanu gives an unhinged performance in it. <laughs> the 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 funny games esque torture uh with Anna Diarmas. Uh it's just something else. But I love yeah, it but, for that reason. I mean, it, it is kind of it is kind of messy, but I think there's so there's a lot of intent behind it. It's like I don't like Yeah, yeah. Twilight Twilight is just such like a fucking convoluted bullshit, dumb attempt at trying to adapt a fucking teenage Mormon vampire love story. It's just a failure on every level, but I'm, we'll give it to knock knock. Yeah. Well, no, I agree with you in a lot of respects on twilight. It's, it's definitely my runner up, uh, but knock knock, just that special secret sauce there. All right. Next category is scariest film. Uh, Cleve, why don't you start this one? I have two picks I was really torn on. I'm I'm kind of hoping we get the usual affair where one of y'all also pick picks one of these two to kind of help make it a decider. Um, first off, it is uh, the eye needle sequence in opera. I I thought like that. Ugh, ugh. It's it's freaky. It's nasty, and the soundtrack fucking whips during that scene too. So um, throughout the whole movie, really, like opera is great. Uh, I fucking love Dario Argento. And the other one is the hospital scene from The Blob. The '80s Blob, because um, that that yeah, or any really any sequence from the Blob, so fucking great. So, yeah, I kind I kind of oscillated back and forth. Like I was gonna say the Blob for a while. It's it's tough when you're talking about like scariest movie overall, because I think that like the most of the kill sequences in the Blob are some of the most like horrifying stuff I've seen. But like a lot of that movie is pretty goofy, so like it's. Yeah. Also hard to say that like the movie itself is scary. I ended up going with Talk to Me because um, I thought just like in terms of its vibe and just like several very specific sequences, like it's just sort of like the eeriest and most atmospheric movie. Skinnamarink also a good one. So I'm kind of on the fence. Like, but if it moves us in the in the direction of consensus, like I I would be fine giving it to the Blob. Curious to hear what what Ben's got. My nomination was something we covered recently, and that's Haze. Just Ooh. because how visceral the horror in it is, you know, how tactile mm. it is. Um, you know, it I affected know... me in a way that most other movies don't. 
I, I know that Tease also said the blob. However, fuck man, that sequence of the hidden haze is really good. Yeah, I I could I could give it to Blob or Haze. That's yeah. let's let's go with let's go with Haze then. Um, All right, I'm I'm happy to 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 give it to a, to an underdog. All right, so next, the worst movie we covered this year. Yeah, easy, we all know what it is. easy. Yeah. It's Twilight. It's Twilight. More than yeah, Exorcist. Yes, more than Exorcist Believer. It's yeah, Twilight. I think it's I Twilight would, too. I would watch. I would watch Exorcist Believer three times in a row before I would watch Twilight again once. Really, really. Yes. Like, yes. like I just see the the thing about it for me is like I think like from a filmmaking perspective, yes, I think Twilight is a worse film. I get where you're coming from. Spiritually, I hate Exorcist Believer more. I I, I don't know, I man. It is. I they took something that is truly like a sacred film in the history of film and uh they made it profane they fucked it up and uh, i think that's worse than just making a, a terrible film but i will uh i will concede and give it to twilight if if we uh we feel the need where are you at ben yeah i said twilight as well okay. uh the only reason is i feel like we gave uh exorcist its negative props already you know Super not to say it's better. ineligible um but twilight also needs it a would probably mark next to it it would be second place for me overall, but yeah, I, I had a way, like, I had a bad time with Exorcist Believer, but, like, watching Twilight is probably the most miserable I've ever been, like, doing something for this show in all six years that we've that we've been doing this. <laughs> like, I really, really, truly had a bad time with that. Um, so, it's, yeah, unparalleled bad experience for me. All right, so next... Let's get into the best movies we covered this year. My best for the year, I had a hard time. There were a lot of good ones. Uh, this is a tough one. You know, yeah, I uh, but I, I ultimately went with RoboCop. You know, it's hard to be an ultimate classic like RoboCop. It's just a perfectly crafted movie. Easily one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, this one was really hard because we talked about a number of, like, my favorite films ever made uh, this year. And I think that there is pretty stiff competition and that, like, really it could be any anything from, like, you know, fucking Robocop, Videodrome. Um, I ended up going with Dead Ringers um, oh, just because sorry. I it's just, like, one of my f- all-time favorite Cronenbergs, and I just love it so much. I love Jeremy Irons' performance. But, I mean, it's, you know, RoboCop is is right there alongside, you know. So, uh, what, what did you have, Cleve? And then we can decide which one to get, to actually give it to. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, honorably, like, I just had, I had to jot down. I think, I think the best film that we covered this year, uh, is, is probably just The Exorcist. Um. Probably, yeah, uh, that one is like, up there as like well. Like, on, yeah. on paper, academically, it's the best film. Um, the next for me is, uh, Perfect Blue. Um, I, another I one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is a Perfect Blue is also a perfect film. Um, however, at the end of the day, truest to myself, and I think just truest to the spirit of the podcast, um, as Ben already said, um, I've, I've, I've been known to say it many, many times myself. And that is RoboCop is a perfect fucking film. It has the perfect array of characters, the perfect plot. It's the best Christ film. It just it captures the metaphor of the phoenix uh, and regaining humanity. It's the best telling of Frankenstein. It is it is the best of so many things. Um, 
it, it captures the, the the beating, bleeding heart of America, and it is aged like the finest goddamned wine. Uh, yeah, RoboCop, RoboCop, RoboCop. I, I, I love that movie so much. I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. I well, like it. <laughs> RoboCop it is, then. Um, happy to concede on that one. RoboCop fucking whips ass. Hell yes. Okay, so we have two final bonus categories. Um, we can hit these fairly quick, I think. Um, so, coolest dude. Oh, yeah. um, newer old movies we covered for this year. Um, who do you think was the coolest dude in a movie? This doesn't have to be a man, per se. This could be a, a lady. Uh, but, you know, coolest dude is a generalized, non-gendered term. So before we actually started recording, my pick for this was Roddy Piper in uh, They Live. Oh. But but I'm actually going to change it because Cleveland, I think this, this may shock y'all a little bit, but Cleveland <laughs> actually did a, a really good job of convincing me who the actual coolest dude in a movie we saw this year was earlier. <laughs> And it it is Russell Crowe in the Pope's Exorcist. Unfortunately, I'm a little I'm I'm a little bit ashamed to say, but it, he so that is the coolest. Cool, that is the coolest dude in in a movie that we cool. saw this year. The shit with the Vespa, uh, yeah, him fucking uh, him riding his Vespa from the Vatican all the way to Spain is so, so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he just has like unlimited swag. I. Am in one hundred percent the same boat as UTs. I had written down Rowdy Rowdy Piper because that's what my mind was telling me, but my heart, my heart is telling me Russell Crowe. So, so it's funny. I first wrote down Russell Crowe because I think that is the right answer there. But I did, I did want to touch too on if it's of all the movies we watched this year, Kurtwood Smith as as Clarence J. Boddicker in in RoboCop is. That is a cool dude. Than he has any right to be. Yes. Like, uh, you know, you've got you've got the bit where he he first kills uh Peter Weller as you know with the with the shotgun, you know, like panning across him, and you've got of course the iconic. And I don't think uh, Russell Crowe ever says anything as cool in uh, Pope's Exorcist as "bitches leave." Like that's just the best, one of the best lines in movie history. Uh, and so good. Yeah, uh, Kurt, Kurt Woodsmith is so fucking good in RoboCop. I I think uh, he's probably the coolest dude, but I think we should still give it to uh, to Pope's Exorcist. I'd like to also Pope toss Harry. an honorable mention, uh, a couple honorable mentions for coolest dude. Uh, the the Skinnerink demon I think is a pretty cool dude, uh, and also. <laughs> Also, Godzilla in Godzilla minus one is a pretty cool. Yeah, dude Godzilla as well. is the coolest yeah. dude. Oh damn! A couple of, of non traditional cool dudes. Hell yeah! So last potty of the night. Uh, it's the uh, weight that came out this year award. This is for the movie that we've forgotten about already. Knock at the cabin. Hey, me too. Um, I will say. To summarize, Knock at the Cabin, uh, of the Shyamalan films that have come out recently, it's the one that offended me the least. Um, I still think it was quite forgettable and not a very good movie that shied away from uh, kills when it shouldn't have. Uh, and I thought it was kind of cowardly and lame. Um, and uh, however, with a big old however, Dave Batiste is great. It's the best movie that M. Night has made since Split. Not a very high bar, 
Um, and yes, I agree. A, an immensely forgettable film that I was genuinely like, oh shit, that was this year. I thought I, it felt like last year. Um, but yeah, Big Dave is great in it. Um, and it's not even a bad movie. I think it's totally fine, but it did not leave a meaningful impact on me at all. I think if Last Voyage of the Demeter had come out earlier in the year, that would be the answer. But that was in like August, so it's still like fresh enough that like I remember it more, you know? Yeah, I think Knock at the Cabin definitely hangs here. Um my other one I had jotted down here was sixty five. Even yeah. though we didn't cover it for the <laughs> podcast, that movie feels like it came out seven years ago already. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Wow, absolutely. yeah. It does, it does. I think sixty five might be even more forgettable. Uh, I think I think the the biggest affront that sixty five brings to the table is that it didn't it didn't use real dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs that it did use like might as well have been real dinosaurs. So like, why didn't they? It, it's a weird, stupid choice. God, that That's true. So there's cool. not a there's not enough real dinosaur representation in cinema these days. All of yeah. these dinosaurs are out of work in Hollywood. Just bad name, I well, I th- I think we should give it to Knock at the Cabin just because it's a movie yeah. we actually talked about on the pod this year. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even really put sixty five in contention. Like it's not a horror movie. Like I don't think we would ever talk about it on the podcast. So it Almost. barely, it's barely like, even. It, it's barely even worth mentioning. It's hedging Tarak esque dinosaur horror. Yeah, um, a, a genre I would love to see more of. I I, I love dinosaurs <laughs> a lot. It's the kind of movie. It's the kind of movie I would give a pass for if it was actually good. Be like, hey, let's talk about it on the podcast because even though it's not really a horror movie, like it's like sci-fi, right? And it's good. It's worth talking about, but it's not that. It sucks. It's it's well, it doesn't suck, but it's just very, very forgettable and boring and uh, a waste of its premise. Well, well that, I was, think that, that was it. That does it. That's that's all of them. Um, I the last little thing I want to touch on, and we are running long, so we we can wrap up pretty soon. But I I've just something that I've been thinking about that I think is is worth mentioning is I feel like this is maybe one of the I hesitate to say worst but least exciting years for horror film that we've seen since we've been doing this. And it's not to say that there aren't, like, good movies, but, like, looking at, like, my list, like, the only three, like, horror-adjacent movies that I think are truly great this year are, like, Infinity Pool, Godzilla, and Bo is Afraid. And none of those are even really true horror movies. I think stuff like Talk to Me and When Evil Lurks and Thanksgiving and Skin and Marink are, like, very good movies. But, like, I don't know. Just, like, looking at past years, like, last year, we had, like, fucking The Northmen and Crimes of the Future and Nope and Bones and All and Barbarian and Incantation and X and Pearl. And the menu, and it's like, yeah, twenty twenty one. We had like in the earth and Titan and Seder and Army of the Dead and Psycho Goreman and the Night House and Saint Maud and Malignant. And it's just like you yeah. keep looking back, and it's just like I feel like in comparison, twenty twenty three was just kind of like there's absolutely movies worth seeing and worth talking about. Um, but I don't know, just like sort of in like the the bigger picture. I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like when this you was kind of full list. 
like they're the last couple of years have just been wow after wow after wow stinker stinker but wow after wow after wow and here there's about three wows um i had a hard time i had a hard time building out my top five this year and i and I and I think that any other year, uh, Pope's Exorcist wouldn't have been anywhere near the top. If I'm being perfectly yeah. honest, I I think yeah. I think that to me that's that's a litmus test that there ever was that like the Pope's Exorcist ended up on my top five. It's really and, it frankly shouldn't have. And I do want to be clear when I'm saying this, I mean specifically like horror movies because I think like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode yeah. that like this has been a very good year for other movies most of my favorite movies from this year are non-horror movies stuff like killers of the flower moon and oppenheimer and john wick and how to blow up a pipeline and the boy in the heron and so on and so forth it's like this there have been some really fantastic movies that have come out this year it's just like looking at like the horror landscape this i don't know it feels like this year felt like it was holding its breath a little bit i think we have a lot of exciting stuff slated for next year which we'll talk about next week yeah i feel like the the highs were extremely high but they were much more few and far between right so we didn't get a solid streak of like a solid horror summer or anything what i will say evens the board a little bit for me is that i don't i don't know in the past couple of years if i i need to rest on it a little bit longer i literally just finished the series but if I've encountered like a piece of art as great as Scavenger's Reign, Annihilation, like, is a film I still think about uh, on a, a almost daily basis, and um, Scavenger's Reign is doing the same thing to me. It it is, I think it it, it engraved strange patterns on my brain. I'll continue to be affected by that that series for a long time. Yeah, I feel like this year, like you said, Tees was kind of a weak year for horror, um, but I do have to say, like. Cleve was saying it's been a very good year for TV. We've gotten a lot of awesome, uh, you know, seasons of TV, whether it was How To with John Wilson or Paul T. Goldman, or I Think You Should Leave. Uh, it was a phenomenal year for video games. Yeah, um, absolutely. Six and Baldur's Gate 3 and Pikmin 4 and Zelda, Street Fighter. So much good shit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is all, of course, from our limited and very and niche perspective as well um but uh yeah I, I i still think you know it's been it's been a solid year for horror but not not the best but i do think that we have an exciting slate of things to look forward to in 2024 um and we'll be uh that'll be our 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 episode next week our first episode of the new year We'll be doing uh, our predictions. We're doing it a little bit differently this year. Um, we're going to be splitting up our predictions in half, and we're going to do the first half of the year next week, and then we're going to do the second half of the year uh, after our mid-year catch-up. Um, I think Ben made a very good point that the second half of the year is always hard to predict because things get moved around, things don't come out that are slated to, there's no release date for stuff. And it makes it more difficult. Um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna split it up, and that'll be that'll be next week. It'll be first episode of 2024. Um, so be sure to join us for that. Uh, and until then, if you like the show, if you've been with us for the whole year or longer, um, please leave us a, a five star rating and review wherever you're listening to this. Helps us work our way up in the charts and the numbers and so on and so forth. You can always support us on Patreon as well at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. 
we've uh, we've had a decent amount of growth uh, on our Patreon this year, which is you know not a whole lot, but for us it's it's important, and so we want to take a moment to shout out our honorary pod boys as always, Sam, Zach, Micah. Mitchell and Jans, y'all are the best. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you'll be around with us for at least the next year to come. Uh, yeah, you can follow us at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Um, my extracurricular recommendation was something that Cleveland actually talked about at length earlier, so I'll keep it brief, but we did go see The Boy and the Heron a couple of days ago, um, and that's what I was saving for my, my end of the episode rec. It's really fucking good. Um, if you're a Studio Ghibli Miyazaki head, w- what are you doing? Go see it. Um, it yeah, the, the, yeah. Eng- the English dub is great, um, which is, I think, a rarity, um, but really good. Not necessarily a rarity to get Ghibli films, but yes. Uh, in, in anime in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My rec for uh, this episode, go see uh, Godzilla Minus One. Uh, we of haven't course. talked about yes. it for the podcast just yet, but it's a great movie. I'm going to go see it a second time tomorrow. I'm super excited. Just, yeah, phenomenal. Uh, you'll be missing out if you don't go out of your way. You gotta see it on the big screen. You have a chance to see it on IMAX, fucking do that. It's It's worth it. <laughs> it's absolutely worth it. Oh, yeah. Man. Um, I've talked about it enough on the podcast. Uh, Scavenger's Reign is incredible, and yeah. I think the next things I would recommend are what y'all just did, so there you go. I think we've uh, given you plenty of stuff to check out, um, and we hope you've uh, enjoyed our 2023 year in review, and hope you'll be with us for the, the coming year. It has been a year. A good year, as always. Doing yeah. this with my boys for you lovely listeners. It's great. We love it. And we thank you for, for listening, as always. Happy New Year! I've invited you here to discuss something that's very important. King Ghidorah, take me to your leader. Quick to claim that he not no snake like me neither. They need to take a breather. He's been rhyming longer than Sigmund the Sea Creature. Been on Saturday feature. Pleased to meet ya. And came to wake you up out the deep sleeper like he needed to stop before he caught the knee drop. Even give you more sick sick than ZZ top. When full bears thou shall not more corner. Future like one more steps in y'all's corners. So poor rich front if you wanna. When he spit electrics, don't be in y'all saunas. We only here to warn us what the plan is. The hour is up on us, it's bananas. Born alone, die alone, no matter who your man is. Hope you live long enough to tell it to his grandkids. King